adoptees, friends and family of adoptees, what is up? Welcome to The Rambler. This is a show about interviewing, maybe it's not about, it's just about international adoptees, but it's told in their own voice. It's told in their own voice. It's also transracial adoptees. And uh, also your host, me, Mike McDonald, is a Korean-American adoptee himself. So that is exciting. It is new. It is, no, maybe not new. It's, it's, this thing is almost two years old. Isn't that crazy? It's almost two years old. And uh, today I have a great show for you. My guest is Adam Goodman. Adam Goodman's an old, old friend. We uh, met each other a long time ago. Maybe in 2007, I guess, uh, through also known as in New York, which you've heard me talk about extensively. Uh, and he reached out to me via email. I guess he's also a listener of the show to uh, to ask to come on and share his story, which we did. And also that he has also started a podcast himself and an online magazine through Medium called Plan A. And you can check that out at planamag.com. They're also on Twitter at Plan A. Mag and on Facebook, so you can do all those things. Do all the things. What is happening? What's new? Uh, let's see. Well, it's been a it's been a wild month, and past couple of months, I guess, if you've been paying attention to politics, uh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy out there, and I hope that you guys are staying sane. Are you staying sane? Are you? Is your head still on your shoulders? We haven't we haven't blown up yet, so that's always a good sign. We haven't imploded or exploded. That's always fantastic. This DACA thing is crazy. You know, I think it's a... We talk about it a little bit during... Or maybe we talked about it a little bit after the show. I can't remember. But, um, you know, it's it's weird to me. It, it strikes a chord as an adoptee and because of a Citizenship for All Adoptees campaign. And you can check them out, Adoptee Rights Campaign, um, online. Just get that at Google. Uh, but that there's, there's a, this debate about, you know, what it means to be American and what it is as an immigrant you to be American and even if you're not a citizen of this country but you were raised here since you were a young age you know and you don't even know the language of your country of origin you know what, what does that mean that you're they're gonna get deported to some other place it's crazy I, I can't just I can't as an immigrant myself uh, fathom why this is a why this is a debatable issue for people why this is such a hot-button topic but you know I, I maybe I need to open my ears to uh, to other other viewpoints, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, it is September, uh, and that means it's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I think it's important to note all of this. Uh, KoreanAmericanStory.org is doing a, a great project, and I, I'm happy to be a part of it as well. I'd like to kind of promo that off the top, called the Korean American Adoptee Suicide Prevention Campaign, and uh, you can check out their teaser at KoreanAmericanStory.org. Uh, I'm a part of it with a number of uh, my friends and other people that I, I have yet to meet. But they were also, uh, you know, it's an important message talking about uh, adoptees and suicide and depression. And uh, it's a problem that's prevalent in our community if you're an adoptee. So I think, you know, it's a, it's an important issue that needs to be explored. And if you are affected by that, which uh, many of us are, then you should... Uh, you know, ask for help, reach out for help. If you know somebody that needs help, you should reach out to them as well. It's important. If you are uh, experiencing some kind of crisis or a difficult uh, 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 life experience right now, you know, please reach out, please reach out and, and, and get help. The national suicide hotline is 1-800-273-TALK. And that is 1-800-273-8255. If you are uncomfortable talking on the phone, which uh, I used to be, I used to be very uncomfortable talking on the phone. I, I like to see people's faces, which is why when I do online interviews, 
uh, and not in person, I usually do FaceTime or, or Skype. That way I can see them because I, I get uncomfortable on the phone. That's always been a thing. Weird, right? It's weird. If you're one of those people, though, and you're also having uh, suicidal thoughts or ideations or you need help in general, you can text 741741 uh, for free. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure messaging rates apply, but to talk with a free trained crisis counselor, um, and you don't have to talk on the phone. Like I, I would be, you know, it's a text thing. I like texting I, or I used to like texting. I don't know. I guess I still like texting anyways. It's important. And if you need help, please go out and get help. If you know somebody that needs help, please, uh, please get them help. Um, and reach out and, and talk to them. In any case, uh, we're going to talk here, uh, with Adam Goodman again. Yeah. We, we've known each other for a long time through AKA. And uh, I'm happy to share his story and what he's been doing, and good to catch up. It's always good to catch up with old friends. Emails. Check this out. I get emails and uh, messages on Facebook every now and then, which is always nice. I I appreciate those. Uh, And this one comes from Adam. Uh, Adam was born and adopted in 1977 from Seoul, South Korea at six months old uh, to Caucasian parents. Uh, He says, I watched the movie Gifted last night with my Caucasian wife, and it triggered me to investigate the history of adopted Koreans in the 70s. Somehow I came across your podcast, and I'm currently listening to episode 56. Ironically, I've related to most every story that was shared within the podcast. Today I'm perceived as a successful small business owner and have had a great family and very good friends. However, it wasn't always like this. I was raised in Lansing, New York for 15 years with no other Asians. I rebelled and was expelled from high school because of alcohol. I don't know anything about my culture. I was kicked out of my home after high school with good reason. I have the feelings of abandonment when I deeply dwell. And in the past, it had suicidal tendencies. I consider my slanted eyes and non-existent bridge of a nose simply camouflage. I just want to share we have a considerable amount of history in common. Coincidence? I don't think so. Hashtag Asian adoptees. Yes, yes. You're, you're, thank you for the email, uh, Adam. From Lansing or or wherever you are now, uh, I have yet to see Gifted. It looks it looks pretty good. I'm a big fan of Chris Evans, so I'll probably end up watching it at some point. But uh, yes, uh, that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is for people like us uh, who have had similar experiences. To know, for people in, who aren't exposed to uh, Asians necessarily, or their adoptees, or aren't built into the community yet, uh, for the internet through the magic of the web to reach out and share our stories. So that, that you don't feel alone. You are not alone in your experience. Uh, There are many people like you. So uh, with that, let's get to the show with Adam Goodman, which I think you will enjoy. In fact, you should enjoy. Enjoy. All right. Well, in that case, we will get started. So you're using the uh, Blue Yeti as well? I am, yeah. This is a great mic. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is that it's not portable, right? So yeah, I know uh, I gotta lug this thing around. It's very intimidating yeah. when I do in-person interviews. I think for the guests, they're like, "What <laughs> you, is that?" You clunk it down, and they're like, "What's this?" It's yeah. like professional now, right? You should like put this down with authority on the table. You're like, this. <laughs> well, it's it's certainly heavy enough. You can just sort of drop it. <laughs> I know this thing is it's it's a monstrous microphone, but the sound quality is fantastic, and it's relatively it cheap. It is absolutely. I think I got mine used for like, I don't know, eighty bucks or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think I got yeah. mine in like an Amazon deal with like these headphones, which I usually don't use, but I I forgot my other headphones at work, and oh, uh, yeah. I, I think it comes with something else. But it's like basically this whole package deal, and it was like a hundred or one hundred twenty five dollars. I was like, that's not bad. Oh, that's not bad at all. I could deal with that. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and you get the like the filter spit guard thing. The pop filter, like, yeah, that was it. Five yep. bucks, pop filters, whatever they call them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I stopped yeah, using thing- it because I think it, this it sounds fun without the pop filter. Oh, it does. I just uh, I figured I'd, I'd give it. A, I don't know. Go get, go to the next level with the, with you're, the you're five dollars so pop filter. <laughs> Did you listen to the uh, Michaela Dietz episode? No, I haven't listened to that one yet. <clears throat> so she's a voice actor, and oh, uh, nice. She has like fashioned her own pop filter out of like a wire hanger and like a nylon stocking Handy that she like right? <laughs> she cut out herself. Oh, DIY, DIY man, I love yeah. it. Yeah, she was love pretty it. pumped about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing about this mic too is that both people don't need to have a mic, right? Like they yeah. have the different uh, different settings where like you know you could sit across from one another. Mm-hmm. Has like the omnidirectional. Has the you know. So it's it's versatile. Yeah, this thing is awesome. And this episode is sponsored by Blue Microphones by the Yeti That's Toy. Right. <laughs> it's a great microphone. And it is. <laughs> so where are you now? Uh, I'm uh, I'm in Jersey City right now, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to be moving to Fort Lee very soon with my girlfriend. Oh. We just bought a condo. Ooh. So, you know, taking, taking that next step. Wow. <laughs> Things are getting serious well. down there in Jersey. It is, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I'm working at this great company and... Um, no, you know, life's life's pretty good. That's uh, good, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. How long have you been um, over there in Jersey City? Uh, Jersey City about like a year and a half. So like I I had a, you know, I I was um I was sort of unceremoniously laid off from my job at Citigroup for mm. that I was there for like four and a half years, sort of in between. And then I got this new job uh in like the downtown Jersey City area. Uh-huh. That was like a contracting job. Nice. And then, you know, that contract sort of ended and, you know, some of these contract gigs like, you know, the project sort of just falls apart and then you're sort of left without a job through no fault of your own. Yeah. And that's sort of what happened with this engagement. And uh, I ended up, you know, finding this other company, but it was in like, north, it was further in state. It was like half, half an hour, 40 minutes away from where I was living at the time and mm-hmm. Uh, Manhattan, upper, upper, like in Inwood, that that neighborhood, which I love, uh, Rep Inwood, and uh, <laughs> Inwood's the shit. But, I don't think uh, I've ever even heard of Inwood. <laughs> it, it's it's like in the two hundreds in Manhattan, the two hundred okay. street. It's it's far <laughs> far north, really far north. It's far far north. It's above Washington Heights. It's but it's great. It's a great neighborhood. <laughs> so like I, I got I got this job in Jersey, and I was like driving and. Uh, I was like, I gotta get, I gotta move closer. But I had started dating my girlfriend, and uh, I was like, I can't, I can't go anywhere too far away because she still lives in Manhattan and lived in Queens. Mm-hmm. So like, I was, I sort of, you know, Jersey City was sort of the perfect uh, in between location. Yeah, it's of course. Easy. Now we're, yeah, yeah. So that's how I ended up in Jersey. I never thought I was gonna live or work in Jersey, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Here everybody says until they find themselves stuck there. It's true, but then you know you look at the schools and stuff, and like the schools are great. And, yeah, um, not bad. I mean, no. Jersey City. When I was growing up, like I, I don't know if you knew this, but I, uh, my, I grew up around Jersey City and Union until I was like five, and it was a place you did not want to be. It was yeah, like, that, Hoboken, I know. Hoboken, all of them were like terrible. Well, Hoboken, yeah, Hoboken was terrible. Yeah, I mean, and now Newport, it's like all that stuff. Yeah, everybody's like, ah, oh, Jersey City. You can get a condo for like two hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, it's no, crazy. it's uh, like the the high rise buildings are growing like weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like 
anytime you look in the news, they're like three or four or five projects. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's insane. And it's, it's actually like the infrastructure is not built for it at all. No. Like they're not planning it. It's not like, oh, you know, guys, you're going to have to wait. We're going to have to build parking here. We got to think about like the historical neighborhoods. No, it's just like, oh, there's an empty lot. (laughs) Well, that's what Hoboken's going through right now. It's like impossible to find parking. It's a nightmare. Oh, the the park. Forget about the parking situation. I mean, it's just because like the the, the first developments that got built in Jersey City Mm -hmm. outside of the downtown area or Hoboken, they have to have shuttle buses. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just so so far away. From the from the the, the path train. Mm-hmm. At least you guys got the path that goes in and out. I mean, it's pretty quick That's too. True. It's not like you know, it, it's probably closer to you coming from uh, Jersey City than it was in the two hundreds to try to get into. Oh, oh, downtown for sure, Manhattan. for sure, for sure. But it, it, it's just, it's gonna be because it, it's like it, you know, when it makes the Times, you know, it's like an old trend. But oh, like yeah. even the New York Times is starting to write about it now, and you're like, oh, well, you know, that. Now, now there goes the neighborhood even more. <laughs> oh well, then there were all, this whole past year. There's all the track fires and the derailments, and then oh, there was that giant train crash in uh, yeah, Hoboken. Ridiculous. I'm, I'm sure our I'm sure our tri-state chatter is very very interesting to everybody else. <laughs> the people in uh, the listeners in Europe and Australia are like, "What the hell are these guys talking?" <laughs> and the people in Korea are like, "I don't know. Our trains run fine. They're they're on time that, every exactly, time. Exactly. I don't know like, what the problem the train- is." The train system in Korea is like a futuristic time warp. No, it's a current time warp, and we just have well, yeah. 100-year-old trains in New York. <laughs> you make a good point. They're I'm just hundreds saying. hundreds of years old. Like, this thing, the system is just falling apart at the seams. It, it's, 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 you know, I, I, I'll say this to people. It's incredible it's taken this long to fall apart. I, I agree. For a lot of the infrastructure, things are right. starting to fall apart. I'm like, I, I can't believe it lasted this long. It's it, it's it's a minor miracle <laughs> because well, we have... like I think like it takes like a hard rain to almost flood the tracks every every day. Yeah, like, it just rain bad. hard. Well, the last time and, they like... flooded out was Sandy. I mean, it took a right. hurricane. Yeah, but like the, I've heard of stories where like it's like literally sections of track that are uh, that are protected by like a fifty-year-old water pump. Yeah, well, it... up here we have the Tappan Zee Bridge, and they're finally building the new yeah. one. And uh, that thing was only rated to last 50 years, and it was made during the Korean War. So we're like 20 that's years right. past this prime. We're like, oh, this thing holds together. You're like, and that's the, that's the infrastructure of the of the whole United States, though. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I don't understand I, how it works. Uh, well, yeah, a, I don't know. I guess we're better <laughs> at building them than we thought. But uh, yeah, so like, I think. We grew up in a similar areas, right? Because I grew up in Westchester. Oh, you grew up in Westchester? Yeah. Okay. Which part of Westchester Westchester. did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in the Katona-Lewisboro area. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, so when you say Tappan Sea Bridge, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I cross it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I was uh, just trying to get back on track here for everybody. But, uh, yeah, so I I was adopted there. And I, I first grew up in Briarcliff. From Korea, right? From Korea, yeah. And I was I was about, you know, three and a half. Okay. Four. I was adopted with my my biological brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was about one and a half, two. And, uh, you know, to the same family. And, uh, you know, we we were at Briarcliff. And then we moved to the Katona-Lewisboro area, uh, you know, when I was around in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, I did most of my growing up. Okay. Um. 
And it was, you know, West, Westchester is, I was just looking up on, uh, or at least the Katona Lewisboro town I was in, I was just looking at this in Wikipedia to, for the demographics <laughs> a few days ago. It's like 95% white. Uh, yeah, I don't think that demographic has changed probably <laughs> since uh, the Iroquois lived there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever the Native Americans that, that occupied this land formerly. Right, and then when the when the Dutch came, it was... <laughs> yeah, then things wildly changed. Right. Uh, the demographic and then it, shifted. It, it sort of stayed that way. Yes, forever. But, uh, yeah, so it's like 95% white, maybe, you know, I think maybe 2% Asian, uh-huh. like 1% African American, and then like just a smattering of of miscellaneous not not to try to erase any communities i just can't it's it's you know, minute compared to the they're, they're so small of Katona. in terms of number and westchester in general i mean there's a couple of pocket like i feel like sleepy hollow and there yeah, are a lot yeah, of minorities yeah. there like, uh, white plains is uh-huh. is like a big city probably a little more you know a lot more diverse yeah i think yeah. yonkers awesome yonkers sometimes yeah um, but yeah, it's surprising because when you look at the overall Westchester County demographics, mm-hmm. it says like 50, only 50% white. And I'm like, that can't. And then I, then I remember the other, you know, towns like we just mentioned that yeah, yeah. sort of, you start, you got to drill down. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of <laughs> skew that. But it's like, when you think of Westchester, that's what you think of. Yes. And then, um, I, I went to college. I went to, uh, a Dartmouth and, uh, you know, I had a fine time there and, then came to the big big apple to to, to work. So when and, you uh, when you we're gonna take so that was a brief overview. Yeah, just a very brief. So you came to the yeah. U.S. around three and a half, four. You yeah. said. Do you have any any memories of Korea? I I have I think, you know I have images, sounds, smells, mm-hmm. um, you know impressions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I I remember. Because I was in foster care in Korea for a little bit. I don't uh-huh. remember quite how long. It, it might have been only a few months. But, um, you know, I remember sort of, and this could have been from my family in Korea, my birth family. It could have been from that foster experience. Mm-hmm. But I remember like being in, you know, you, you stand in like that that bucket and then they just pour water over your head to like give you a bath. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember that sort of hmm. thing. And mm-hmm. I remember... Um, I remember sort of walking down the street with my father and, you know, holding his hand. And I remember that very vaguely. Huh. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, 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 you know, it's just very, it's flashes. I remember like, you know, like women in my family, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I wasn't, I wasn't like a, compl- I wasn't like a secret to my family, my, my parents, even though they weren't married and it wasn't a, uh, it was a different time. You know, it was the eighties. It was yeah. not. Even Korea now is still not that. Yeah, it's um, still pretty like it's yeah. an open secret, but it's still a little bit stigmatized. I feel right, like. exactly. Um, so I do remember, I think some some interaction with some, you know, both families sort of, and uh, but I don't I don't remember like thoughts really. Like it's just very amorphous um, mm-hmm. spots here and there. Yeah, yeah, just uh, like me- you know the way memories work. It's just like little shards. Exactly. exactly. Um, any, any memories of uh, your brother there too with you? Yeah, no, he was always there. You know, mm-hmm. He was, well, I mean, other than the, <laughs> when he wasn't alive. But, you know, yeah, like when he, my brother and I are very, very close. And, uh, you know, we, we've we gone through, you know, almost everything in life together. Yeah. And he's always been that, a part of that and a presence and, and, and part of my thoughts and, and feelings. 
Hmm. Um, so you guys are, are like super close then, huh? Yeah, we're we're super super close. So like, when you came uh, over to America, did you have you know three and a half four? You already have some language skills and everything like yeah, that. Do you have yeah. any uh, memories of of that kind of confusion coming over, and then all of a sudden everything's in English and you're in a country in a language that you don't understand? Yeah, I, you know, I I don't know if I remember. I don't directly remember the frustration or the anger. I'm sure I felt it, mm-hmm. and my my parents definitely uh, would tell me that like I would get really upset or I'd get like frustrated because I had thoughts and things I wanted to, to say and, and, and tell people or I was excited and and I just couldn't express it to, so that people would understand. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's not unique to me. But I think it was, you know, and this sort of and I think back on this memory or that what I did that my mom tells me that one day, like after school, I came home and I said, well, I don't need Korean anymore. And I refused to speak it. And I sort of just totally let it go. And I feel bad about it, like, as an adult. But when you think back, like, as a kid, you're like, well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And how, how old were you? Do you remember how old you were when you said that, when you decided to make uh, <laughs> that that decision? Yeah, probably, like, six. Yeah. Like, young, you know? Do like, you think school had anything to do with it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Were you, absolutely. Were you made fun of in school for using Korean or something like that? Or I don't you, think I was like, made I fun of. Integrate. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I was like mercilessly like teased or anything. Mm-hmm. I think it was just sort of I really wanted to just fit in, or I wanted to communicate, and I made you know, you know, kids want to just be part of it. Yeah. So that's that was one big part of being part of it, right? You have to speak the language. So you just made the conscious decision at six, like I'm going to integrate and assimilate into the American society, and first by using yeah. the language and relinquishing Korean. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I don't think as a six-year-old I was thinking that deeply about it, but yeah, it, like <laughs> as, it as, was certainly a decision I made. Yeah, it was, and I vocalized. It wasn't just sort mm-hmm. of like an internal decision. Like yeah. I literally told my <laughs> my mom, like, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is just yeah, maybe I'm strange, but like that's. <laughs> what was that's her reaction to that? Was she like okay? I think she good. was a little sad. <laughs> was she? Yeah, I think she. Yeah, the way she tells it, she mm. you know she was a little. I think a little surprised just because I, I said it. Yeah. And then just a little sad because, you know, I was choosing to let something go mm. or I was losing something that was, you know, I had. I mean, that's uh, a pretty mature decision for, for a six-year-old to make, I think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, 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 it was a pragmatic one at yeah. the very least. I mean, that's a decision also that, you know, you can make for yourself, but your brother, I guess, was probably never given that opportunity, right? Because he grew no, up I mean, yeah. primarily here from, what, what would you say, two two years old? Like one and a half, two, yeah. Yeah. So he grew yeah. up with English as the language. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he had very, you know, very rudimentary Korean skills, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He not not that I was like a Korean language scholar at three, but. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but you knew more. So then from six on, like, and you decided to make this decision to integrate how how was it growing up in in katona and and westchester i I had a good childhood man you know upper middle class yeah you know obviously our differences and you know every teenager goes through you know growing pains and um you know i suffered through some depression in college Mm -hmm. uh so you know there's tension when that stuff happens and you know but you know so i went off to dartmouth um, some, you know, my, my, I had some sort of 
sad, tragic things happen to people that I knew. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of really like my roommate died and oh Jesus, really, yeah, like just some some things that like, and I and I think I was sort of, you know, I was I was trying to deal with just growing up, also being like an, you know Asian in America, mm-hmm. um, how that relates to having white parents, uh, just you know a lot of a lot of things, and it's you know and, and I might with depression, you know, I think some people are more prone to it than others, mm-hmm. but it sort of just really it got bad in college. And I had to, and I came home and I transferred and I went to Pace and I think that was the best decision that I could have made just because right. I was at home I was closer to family and I was at a place where I could see that like my education directly <clears throat> would translate into like skills and I'd get a job not yeah. that like liberal arts and all that stuff isn't great which it, you know and it is mm-hmm. but for me at that time I need that's what I needed. What well, do you uh, think uh, the so when do you think the depression started in college and, and what maybe well, was I, the I think it was sort of it came like it came in in like high school you know, oh, yeah. I was putting so much pressure on myself mm-hmm. to uh, you know to achieve academically yeah. uh, and and even though my my dad didn't push me like in a direction of like you must continue my legacy and like <laughs> you know well because yeah. some parents are like that yeah he you know he obviously he was proud mm-hmm. but he was certainly not going to be disappointed if I went to another great school and it just hap- didn't happen to be Dartmouth. Uh, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. So is he another, he's another Dartmouth guy? Yeah, yeah he was Dartmouth. And my, and my brother ended up going there too. We're, <laughs> we're sort of a Dartmouth <laughs> family. But okay. uh, that makes me a, an East Coast liberal elite scum. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does. But, uh, you know, so I put a lot of pressure on myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it also, you know, also my dad wasn't the easiest guy to get along with at times and mm. wasn't as demonstrative, you know, emotionally as, as maybe I wanted or needed. Mm. So it just, a lot of factors worked into this Yeah, and I just found myself in that sort of spiral. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you, you, you go to college and you start to drink a bit too, or a lot and you know, you're <laughs> not, you're not like with all the people who might be like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And um so yeah, it you know, my my dad passed, you know, about 4 4 or 5 years ago and Oh, I'm sorry, man. Before then, yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Uh but you know, before that for years we, you know, we sort of repaired our relationship and we had a great great relationship and um you know, he I I'll talk about him a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it, people might be like, "What the hell is that?" He's just a huge. He was just a huge part of my life. Yeah. And, well, other uh, than being a Dartmouth uh, guy, I mean, how in what ways was he uh, a big part of your life? Just, I think, you know, his 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 intellect, mm-hmm. his um, he just taught me a lot. He was sort of my template for how to be as a person, mm-hmm. flaws and all, um, and just sort of my template of what sort of a man is yeah so he's a positive uh, or or maybe just a male role model for you in life i mean i think everybody yeah yeah uh, and and i would say definitely positive yeah definitely positive well that's good not like you know you gotta wear a wife beater and like you know all that (laughs) shit like disciplined people you know it wasn't it's not like that (laughs) he he didn't do that (laughs) no no i don't think a a jew from the bronx is gonna (laughs) no (laughs) no i don't think that's the stereotype there (laughs) 
<laughs> well, yeah. Do you find yourself more, or would you, when you self reflect, find yourself more emotionally available than you think your father was? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I think a lot of people obviously become their parents in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah. I think also people do learn sort of like, oh, man, I didn't really like that part. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to change that part. Or at least I think some people try that, try to do that. Mm -hmm. And I try to be um, different from him, or at least uh, I think better in certain areas that I can. Because, mm -hmm. you know, just having a template and a role model doesn't mean you need to become a copy. Right? Yeah. You don't need to emulate everything. A absolutely. Absolutely. And what, so, what about uh, your brother? Is he kind of the same way? It's funny, like my brother and, and he would clash a lot more, oh, I think yeah? like directly head on. It's because they're very, very similar. <laughs> are they are they stubborn? Yeah. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> stubborn. I mean, incredibly intelligent, uh, and you know, they're gonna stand by what their views and um you know, and temperamentally stubborn and, and strong mm -hmm. and strident. Uh so you know, they, they, they clash because they were similar. And I think my father and I uh, clashed because we were different in some ways and he couldn't understand. Yeah. He clashed with my brother because he did understand and he felt like, you know, well, I made a mistake being this way when I was younger, maybe. Uh -huh. <laughs> he didn't want him to make a lot of the same mistakes. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, people are going to make those mistakes because the best teacher is experience. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes making a mistake is something you, you have to learn. Yeah. You, you can't, yeah, you can't learn the lesson without making a mistake. Yeah. And, and that is, I think, a supremely human condition. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I was out of college, I was working, and, uh, you know, I, I, um, I was in and out of, like, the, the adopting community thing, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I went to some of the, the uh, to the gatherings, like, I went to the one in Seoul in 2007, I went to, I think, you know, AKA had a few in New York, yeah, yeah. one in Amsterdam, uh, and those and those were like oh, you went to a lot of them. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I went to a, a lot of them, um, <laughs> but they were just you know in terms of the contrast of like when I was six, I'm like I'm gonna totally assimilate into America, and and I'm I wrote the cringiest college essay, or like nice, you know the the like you know I don't I don't see color, we're just all you know, and we're all the same, and oh, no. I don't see myself as Asian, I'm just a guy, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, but just the cringiest, cringiest stuff, which is, you know, it's like a great sentiment, but it's just not how the world works. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think in college I met like like the first people to greet me on campus were the Asian American like groups. Like the student associations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I had like a big Asian sister and big Asian brother. Uh -huh. And they brought me like all the parties and like they were like, this is this community is here for you. And. Mm -hmm. I was like, shit, like I, I, I am Asian and I love this stuff. <laughs> and I it's sort of, you know, and then on a deeper level too, but like, it was just sort of like the first group that came to, to me to welcome me was this group. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should, you know, sort of get involved that. Yeah, yeah. Get involved. So did you, and I did, I did. I got involved and you know, I, I, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Was this at Dartmouth or at Pace? At, at Dartmouth. At okay. Pace, it's sort of like, you know, it's a commuter school. There isn't much <laughs> community, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they do have some some residential students, but mm -hmm. uh, 
for dorming students, but it's it's not it's not a typical campus situation. It's not like Dartmouth where like you go there no. and you live there. You're trapped in Hanover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no, um, no there's nothing else to do except Dartmouth. <laughs> exactly, exactly. By design. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it was just it, it, that was sort of like my beginning of sort of uh, embracing my my Asian American the Asian side of my identity. Mm. Was that like uh, the then, first kind of Asian type of things that you did after relinquishing your language? Yeah, I mean, I, I I went to some of those like adoptee camps that we all know about, uh-huh. but like it wasn't like a, a it wasn't a um a, a regular occurrence. Mm. Um, no, I, like I, lifelong I friends that you keep in touch my, with. I'm sorry. No, like uh, lifelong friends that you keep in touch with from those places. Uh, not really. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I probably only went to like one or two of them, so okay. it wasn't like we were the you know the regulars at at those sort of adoptee camps. Yeah, yeah. Um, a camp sounds so bad. Adoptee. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were. They, they, I think camps. they still are. They're camps. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it just sounds like this was a, a Japanese internment camp. Yeah. <laughs> a, a they, they keep camp. us in fenced areas. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's not like that. It's a summer. There were no camp. fences, everybody. Yeah, it was a summer. It was like a sleepaway. You're at sleepaway camp, right? Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Or like the day day gatherings where like yeah. all the come and you do arts and crafts and eat some food and maybe you, like a group comes and does martial arts and like the dancing maybe yeah, they do the fan dancing and you make yeah. bulgogi or kimchi and then right right you do exactly or drumming right <laughs> or both or yeah, both or all of them you can do yeah, or all of it <laughs> so i didn't do two of those as a kid same number as i went to when i was in chicago and like was involved with the adoptee community <laughs> i went to like two or three when i was there mm-hmm. but uh yeah, so um, what, what were we talking about? With the, yeah, so you know, in college, I was like my first, uh, you know, sort of step into that world. And then when I got out of college, I'm like, I really want to talk to just you know even more adoptees, like mm-hmm. just adoptees too. Um, and I, you know, I found AKA, which just funnily enough was started by uh, Holly McGinnis, who what? I knew growing up. Did you? She was, you knew Holly yeah, growing up? Was, how did you know um, Holly? She um. She grew up sort of in a similar, I think, near enough in Westchester. And yeah. my family, our families knew each other. Oh, And wow. I had met her a few times. Uh, and it was just the smallest world. I'm like, and I think my mom might have been like, there's this organization that like Holly, you know, Holly, remember her? <laughs> like started. <I'm, laughs> because Holly's like a little bit older than, than I am. Yeah. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember her. And, and what is this organization that she started? And uh, it, I think it was like back in 2007 or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I went to a couple of them and everyone's like great and amazing and just uh, a lot of fun. And so I went to come, you know, so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to these gatherings. I went to Seoul. You know, I, I went to Amsterdam. Like, you know, I went to these meetings and I did a, a summer a, a mentorship. Uh, you know, I mentored for a summer as well. Nice. And um, yeah, so it was just sort of like, I'm going to really embrace this. And I yeah. think it, it was, it was one of the best decisions I made. And I, I and I feel, you know, and, and a lot of stuff happened in my life and I sort of drifted and I didn't go to a lot of these things, but, um, and we'll talk about this, I think a little bit more as we talk about what I'm doing with, uh, my friends now with this online publication we started and trying to get, uh, the Asian American, progressive uh you know voices out there but <clears throat> i think it's something i want to get back into to, to sort of 
you know, be more engaged with the, the adoptee community again because, you know, it's a great group and, and I feel bad. I feel like it was a mistake for me to, <laughs> to, to not be involved, uh, you know, for that period that I wasn't involved. So uh, when you were getting involved with the community very heavily and you started doing the mentorship program, how was yeah. that for you as somebody who wasn't involved as a kid? It was, was it, I imagine it was pretty rewarding, but did you feel like a certain amount of like responsibility or something to be like, I didn't, I didn't take advantage of this opportunity or like, well, how was that? Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of that. It was a little bit of like, you know, I wish I had done this and you know, now I have an opportunity to do it from the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, I, I, I think mentorship of, of children um, is just one of the best things I think that um, anyone can do in terms of practical, like activism or practical um, charity and giving back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it, it was just really rewarding to see it, and it was a lot of fun. You know, the kids are always great. Um, the parents were great too. I mean, just think about the parent who's going to be like, oh yeah, I want to make sure that my adopted child has other adoptees to sort of interact with and learn from and and talk to, you know, to open themselves up to that and say, I'm not going to be able to provide every viewpoint and every, Mm -hmm. everything they need, you know? So the parents were always great and the kids were just, you know, kids are hilarious and (laughs) they are frustrating and just (laughs) everything, you know? And, uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the AKA mentors are, uh, amazing, you know, and just, just a, a, every type of person, you know, not, not just professionals, you know, but, but every, everybody. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's great. It's amazing. Well, and I always thought I, as I a, it. as a guy too, like there aren't so many, uh, Asian American men in like Hollywood out there yeah. or, you know, there aren't a whole lot of Asian American, uh, male adoptees. Yeah. So for me, it was like if there's uh, kids that that are you know young boys who are uh, adoptees and Asian, and I can provide them a positive role model to look up. Yeah, to, absolutely. Then I think that's important because you know you know you were lucky that you had a very close relationship with your father, and he was a yeah. positive role model for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but like you said, you know, they can't even if they're a positive role model provide everything. No, it, and I had a brother too. I mean, some of these, you know, a lot of even though a lot of adoptees have siblings they might be biological siblings of their of their you know adoptive family Mm -hmm. or you know or they might not have a sibling so i think having another person who's like adopted um and has gone through a lot of the same things that you've gone through or similar ones uh is just a huge thing especially for children who you know they're like eight nine ten um those are really impressionable formative times yeah for sure And I think, you know, it's important for them to explore in a safe environment, uh, their identities, uh, whatever it might be. Absolutely. um, Before getting to college and then all the stuff hitting the fan. And all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think when you start to run into issues, when you don't explore those things and then all of a sudden you're, you know, 20 or 25 and you're like, wait, I've been living my whole life completely different. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I think of all the things that, um, any person could do to give back. I think if, if you're, if you're ready for it or, or if you feel that, um, you know, you can handle it Mm -hmm. and and you're never completely ready, you know, but that I would say mentoring is something that 
that people should think about because yeah. um, it's it, for everyone involved. It's just a, it's a, it's an amazing thing. And, well, uh, and I so. also feel like it's fun. Like mentoring is fun too, because you make it a lot is. of good friends as an adult with other people. And you're all kind of like in the trenches together with these kids. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Trying to wrangle them all up. You're like, no, 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 no. You yeah. Stay with the group. Come here. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's right. That's right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like my, my, my girlfriend has two young nephews and I'm like, my mentoring experience <laughs> yeah. pays off. It's paid off, right? You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. <laughs> or I think I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> At least for a but few yeah, hours. It's please, wrangling them in public spaces. It <laughs> exactly. <laughs> definitely helps. And all the people who are like actual parents are like, oh, you don't even know. Yeah, you like, don't even know. know. <laughs> it's 24 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, oh, de- oh, definitely. <laughs> It's like, you know, the best part about mentoring is being able to give the kids back at the end of the day and then yes, go in yes, and grab a beer. The... <laughs> like, okay, you go with your your mom and dad. And... <laughs> I, I hope I wore them out for you. They, they definitely wore me out. I'm, I'm, I'll see oh, you next yeah, week. <laughs> it's so much fun, though. It's so much fun. I loved it. Yeah, it's it's always – it's and it's, I think, one of the most rewarding experiences that it is. I've had. Oh, it's so rewarding. It's just um, – you, I don't know. You just see, you learn stuff about yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, I, yeah. It's it's just we. I I can't talk. I can't recommend it enough. I, I I think people should really, really do that at least once. You know, if you if you don't want to do it like every year, it's fine. Yeah. But like if you know you're not into kids, maybe don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Or like maybe this is one time you can like sort of do stuff with a kid and like maybe fi- find out that you do like kids. Yeah. Well, and kids, like, I think, uh, going back to the thing about finding more about yourself, it's when those interactions, when they do feel safe to share with you or ask questions about you that you had never heard about or thought about because they're seeing it from a completely different angle that you haven't thought about since you were that age. Yeah. I I mean, because, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds have so much more of an inner sort of mind, inner life than I think a lot of people expect mm-hmm. or, or think they have yeah and they're processing everything i mean we're as humans we're just information sponges anyway mm-hmm. but you know when the world is new and yeah. uh and then you're sort of coming into your language skills right when you're eight or nine mm-hmm. like they, they have so much of a of an internal intellectual space and mm-hmm. i think you know they they ask the most interesting questions yeah some of the hardest questions and, you know, I felt, I felt, you know, privileged to be able to sort of try to answer it or try to sort of, you know, guide them a bit because, you know, I don't even have all the answers. I'm 35. I don't have all the answers. Right. Yeah. And I certainly didn't have any answers when I was nine, but, <laughs> uh, you know, if I can at least have start them down, mm-hmm. you know, a better, you know, a better path than I sort of went down or make them feel co- confident in themselves and not doubt themselves or feel down. Yeah. Um, then that, 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 you know, then I did my job. Well, that's kind of the point, right? Trying to make yeah. it easier for them. Absolutely. From the masculinity perspective or the, the, the male sort of role models perspective, there's going to be a really interesting uh, forum, the Dopti forum in New York, I think, Coming up next, not this coming week, but the week after. Uh, oh yeah, Kevin I saw that. Kreider. For AKA, right? 
Yeah, with Kevin Kreider, and I, that was I was I was I, I don't know if I w- I would say I was surprised, but I was um I was um happy to see that. Oh yeah, because uh, you know because I think that just sort of male male role models are just talking about the male mm-hmm. adoptee experience because um, they're you know. Obviously, there are differences between I think how how women yeah. uh, experience it and their their sort of experiences in life versus uh, men, for sure in America at least. Uh, and I think having a forum to talk about sort of the male side of it is great, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they'll have one or they've had them for for the women, the female side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think they should probably have one for if they haven't already. For the LGBTQ, uh, you know that that community as well. Definitely, because uh, because it all sort of, and it and it's a sort of I don't like the term safe space, but it's a space where people can be honest. Yeah, and, and, I, and open. I, and even if you're going to be challenged, it's it's from a genuine uh, place. It's right. it's from uh, uh, you know everyone really wants to know what's going on because it doesn't serve anybody, especially in this political, and I think social time. Uh, to just sort of shut anyone down uh, mm-hmm. at all, yeah. no matter how hateful it is. We want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we want to know because we know it's there. We just we want to get it out. Yeah. If you can't get it out, then it's never going to no one's ever going to change it. And well, even then it might not. But at least there's a better shot. Well, it's a good so it's I'm a good space happy. to do that, too, because I Absolutely. think the male Asian adoptee is it's almost like being a minority within a minority. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cuz like there are, there there are very few Asian American men adoptees. And so to have like a whole forum yeah. just about that to talk about it openly, you know, it, it, I think it's a it's a step in the right direction. Like what does that even It is, absolutely. What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's I think that's that, that that's the simple sort of like this quote-unquote simple starting question, but it's also mm-hmm. like the crux and then it's the heart of it. Like, what does it even mean? How does how does it fit into sort of the mainstream white male masculinity, yeah. uh, Western masculinity? Mm-hmm. Um, what do we what do we do with that? Do we embrace it? Do we do we make our own? Do we like what what elements? Um, is it even something we need to worry about? You know, these are all just these are all questions and things that uh, and issues that need to be discussed um, oh. because I think. Some people fall through the cracks, and we don't need to. We don't need any more people falling through the cracks and going towards radical, you know, uh, being radicalized. True. And especially not, you know, people in our community as adoptees. Like we, we need to do everything we can to catch that. Um, well, what are what are your views as as Adam Goodman uh, on the Asian American <laughs> male adoptee and masculinity? Uh, well. It's 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 an incredibly complex topic. Um, I think in terms of as I was talking about framing it against like sort of the the Western masculinity ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's something that we we need to reject. Um, we we can't continue to sort of center that legacy um, within ourselves. I think obviously there are parts of it that are positive. Um, I think like stoic stoicism, strength. Um, I think a, a certain vulnerability needs to be built in, right? Mm. Um, but a lot of like sort of that machismo stuff 
we need to examine it and say, well, do we really want to just emulate that, that whole alpha male, mm-hmm. you know, just be, just lift more and, um, you're going to be sort of like, you know, the big dog and every girl's going to want to be with you and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. We have to examine every part of like the legacy that we're trying to sort of measure up to and say, is that something we want? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, we're going to, we're going to have to have the bravery to say, like, or the courage to say, no, that's not what we want. Mm. And, but that doesn't mean that we're, you know, completely on the other side, like, you know, completely swing the other way and say, now, you know, uh, we're just gonna, I don't know, uh, but I don't know exactly, but like we, we need to examine it mm. and we, it, it's something we need to, I think, k- take control of on our own. We can't let other people sort of tell us what it means mm-hmm. and and again, and it and it goes to the whole topic of we need to we need to allow people to say stuff, and I think we I think a lot of people and a lot of men especially have felt like they've been silenced because mm-hmm. they might say something that's slightly against sort of like the what's quote unquote politically correct or what's the what's being sort of um, policed you know mm-hmm. in, in public spaces, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not like anyone's gonna say like oh we need to be allowed to beat our girlfriends or something, but it's like a little bit against the the narrative and i think people get shut down and it's not because they feel like well my view is completely correct it's that they're not even allowed to speak it they're not even allowed to be like this is i don't know if i feel right about that i feel like maybe you know certain elements are okay and like there maybe there are differences or they're just not allowed to speak it so mm-hmm. then they like they get frustrated just from that fact not not because they necessarily disagree with anything. It's just that they're like, well, I can't even tell you what I feel. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and that, even beyond this issue, you know, just if that happens in your life, you get frustrated, right? Well, like, of you course, just yeah. shut down by somebody, like you're having a fight with somebody or you have a disagreement and they're just not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it hasn't been their lived experience, right? And so it's really? hard to synthesize uh, what you've gone through and what you've experienced and how frustrating yeah. that is to somebody who doesn't know what that's like or doesn't know what it's like on their side, but they're like, they don't see it on your side of, or or can right. empathize with those feelings. Right, right. And, and I'm not, like, we're all guilty of doing that. Right? Mm-hmm. We're all guilty of sort of like closing our ears or trying to silence people, uh, or, you know, consciously or unconsciously, uh, deliberately or not. But, you know, I, I think that is a big part of what's going on and 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 the fact that there's going to be this forum is i think a great step in the right direction yeah i should look up just, and see the information know. of when that is right now <laughs> uh, yeah no it's uh, you should come i'm gonna i'm gonna be there um you know kevin kevin and i actually with my friend teen um he, we did a podcast with him talking about oh, yeah? what asian masculinity is mm. um and that was a fun podcast so like i'm looking forward to seeing kevin in the flesh and feeling like a very short, ugly person. This guy was very tall and handsome. He's a very tall guy, and he's a, and he's a very handsome guy. He's a handsome so. dude. <laughs> <laughs> this picture, but, yes, he's got all the buttons opened on his on his course, shirt with you know, his chest. If you've got abs and, and pecs like that, yeah, why not? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fitness model and entrepreneur Kevin Tejin, international adoptees yeah. only. On Monday, September twenty fifth. That's in a just yeah. over a week here. It is three forty five Park Ave in New yeah. York. That's going to be a good. I think <clears throat> it's going to be a really great two hour or as a two or three hour forum. 
People so for all the, the, yeah. the adoptees in the tri-state area, if you have the time, go to that. I, I'm also going to the uh, fall fundraiser if you're going to be there. Uh, yeah, when is, when is that? Let's take the a look 19th? and see what that is. The 19th. Yeah, it's coming up. It's on uh I think I probably Tuesday? might go to that. Yes, fall kickoff fundraiser. Yeah. I went last year, so I don't see why I wouldn't go this year, I guess. Sweet. And that's on the 19th from 6 p.m. to 8.30 in Parasohu. Uh, Soho, Suhu, good luck. <laughs> Para Soho, uh, 54 Thompson Street and Broom Street. Uh, New York and Jersey natives here, by the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he, he doesn't know Soho. Well, you know, the worst part is I Just came kidding. back. This is how long. <laughs> I was away from New York uh, after I graduated from Rutgers in like 07. And then I just recently came back and I was like, oh, oh yeah, I'm over by Houston Street. And they were like, you mean Houston? And I was like, right. <laughs> You're like, what does Shit. it matter with me? <laughs> I was made fun of pretty hard and yeah. uh, justifiably so because yes, yes, you it, you uh, was you a, walked into that. Oh, one. it was bad. It was really bad. It was, it <laughs> well, that's awful. how you can tell someone who knows like New York and who doesn't, right? You know, it's the work because like you know, it's spelled house. Like dude. everybody in the in New York who is familiar or with Houston. it, anything yeah. south of like Fourteenth Street, you know, that's where your twenties are. Yeah. And then, like now, it's like I never go to the village, but that used to be my jam. That's right. And I go down there. It's like I only go to St. Mark's now to feel old. <laughs> All these NYU kids are there, and I'm like, know, what does right? it matter with me? Like, why am I here right now? <laughs> it's like I need to go back to Hell's Kitchen. This is too much. It's too much for me. Back to Midtown. Back yeah, exactly. Midtown. It's like, let's go to the Upper West Side, guys. <laughs> That's right. I'm in my 30s now. This is not where I belong, oh. apparently. <laughs> it's sad it's sad but yeah so uh you were talking about your podcast a little bit let's talk a little bit about that so what is what is this podcast yeah so you know so i i stepped into this podcast because i think a couple of friends of mine started this it's uh it, it's called uh tfml uh and, and the original title was uh tales from angry law which is just not great <laughs> so <laughs> we cut it down to tfml uh-huh. uh and it, you know and it it's just literally like three Asian American dudes yeah. shooting the shit. And that is it. Just hanging like, out. Yeah. Like hanging out. And it, and, 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 and my friend teen who sort of had taken it over, he sort of was, that was his idea. It was just sort of, it's just an example of how I think like this Asian dudes talk when, you know, behind closed doors, when nobody's so around, open them up when no, yeah, we're going to open it up because we're not, we're not, as a, as a, yeah, we're not saying anything like, so bad, right? This is not so like a men's rights activist. Asian no, no, it's not portion group, right? It, this is no, just like no, it's not like it's not like uh, yeah, you know, all women should be in the kitchen and like make us sandwiches all day and like you know have our kids. You know, I, we're not saying not. shit like that, right? <laughs> I, I wouldn't mention it on here for. <laughs> for this is going against everything we just talked about. <laughs> not at all. So like, it's just us talking about politics, talking about media. Uh-huh. Um, it's just talking about our lives. Like, so I, I talked about my adoption on there as well. Oh, okay. So like, we just, we just talk, right? Mm-hmm. But what, so, but the new thing that I think I mentioned a few po- points is that, you know, shit's crazy right now, right? Trump got elected. Shit is crazy. Uh, you know, white supremacists are marching in the streets. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're poking the bear in North Korea, um, you know, just all, all all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, we're we're we we're gonna deport all the children. We're not gonna deport the children. Um, you <laughs> we know, are. we aren't. Yeah, 
Well, we're not now. <laughs> well, we might do it, but we're we going to build a wall. We're, we're, we're out of the Paris Climate Agreement. We're back in. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we still haven't fixed the problem with uh, adoptees without citizenship. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, that to me hits a chord with the whole DACA thing. Well, that, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And and and, and so, you know, my friends and I sort of were like, my Asian American friends and I were like, we need to sort of try to we. What can we do? Because we we're ta- we've been talking about it like on the pod, but we, and you know, we've been discussing it in our own sort of personal chat rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. We 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 need to try to do something that's more, that's bigger, that 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 gets out there, that gets our voices out there, sort of as a counter or to to everything that's going on, and and to give the progressive Asian American voice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a platform. So we've started uh, Plan A magazine. Okay. Uh, it's uh, planamag.com, mm-hmm. and it's it's a, it's on Medium. Uh, okay, well. yeah, yeah. Search it on Medium. It's a publication there, and you know we talk about everything, and you know we we want to be able to sort of fill that void, mm-hmm. and and to, to as I was talking before about discussing uncomfortable topics. Mm. You know we're gonna and and some of these are just like internal issues. To a, the Asian American culture, right? Like, like the, the gender divide in dating, <laughs> the you know inter and, and like intra Asian hierarchies between just the countries, right? Because oh, yeah. you know the 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 U.S. Census sort of made Asian American, right? They 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 put Asian as a category. They do. And Pacific Islander as a category. Yep. And these are much bigger and varied uh, entities as, than just Asian, right? Asian nah, is just the same. Yeah, they're all the same. We all look the same, right? Yeah. Like, so we wanted to give sort of a place for people or, you know, our writers to sort of work that stuff out, you know, because we need it. We need to work it out because we're sort of seen politically, I think, as just bodies to get votes. We're not really seen as a political force other than that mm-hmm. because we don't really have an identity politically. And we need we need to work out these internal divisions before we can really turn outside. Mm. Not that we can't turn outside before that, mm-hmm. but a lot of this stuff needs to be worked out. Uh, and, you know, we can't also just be lockstep with whatever the mainstream liberal- liberalism tells us is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think know, you're seeing a lot of divide on, on all these sides, actually. Absolutely. Party internal. Yeah, absolutely. As there should be. I mean, look, like, Democratic Party as it is now and has it as it's sort of been operating for the last 30 years isn't working like this incrementalism of you know obama got in and everyone was like oh my god we're gonna have everything right <laughs> yeah. no, he, he's, he's basically the same um there isn't much room between him and hillary clinton mm-hmm. uh and this continued incrementalism and people telling us like we can't Get, do what's right like that's too hard so we have to take 500 little teeny steps to get there and that's the best we can do mm-hmm. i think people are really frustrated with that you know they mm-hmm. they look at other countries they're like well the other countries did it like yeah. why can't we get there especially with like this whole notion of like we're exceptional the american exceptionalism mm-hmm. like well we look out in the world and we're not looking too exceptional you know we're really looking sort of backwards and um I think 
you know, so we're, we're trying to do that with Plan A Mag. Please, please check it out. Um, even if you're going to read some of the articles that where we criticize sort of some of the reactions uh, that Asian American, uh, the mainstream uh, has, <laughs> please read it. Try to think about it. And, and we'll, we'll take we'll take the frustrated <laughs> hate reads too. controversial. Uh, like, what, yeah, what, yeah. what were the con- most controversial ones that you've had so far? We, you guys have you guys criticized the Asian American community at all? We have a little bit. So like um, with the whole Ed Skrine situation with Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, well, for people unfamiliar with this, uh, yeah, they're remaking Hellboy right now. And there's a character who was cast, uh, as uh, it's grind. Who's from Deadpool. And, uh, I think the he new was tra- on the uh, new Game of Thrones too. Was he? Oh yeah. He yeah. was, uh, I think he was recast in Game of Thrones. He was, but he, uh, he's a decently famous guy now. I think he was cast yes. in the remake of Hellboy as a half Japanese character, right? Yes, yes. And uh, he wrote this big letter uh, basically after uh, people complained about it. Yeah, as they should. Saying that he you know, didn't realize all this. He wasn't familiar with comic books. And he's going to resign mm-hmm. that part and right. hope that the studio – and he's basically put the studio in a position right. well, to, and they did. to they cast, cast uh, uh, an Asian American. And yeah, uh, yeah I've, heard, I've heard that it was uh, – or it was rumored that it was going to be Daniel Day Kim. Has, has that been confirmed? I think it's confirmed. Yeah. Uh, so good for Daniel Day Kim because he also just recently had a pretty public fight with CBS over well, yeah. uh, the pay discrepancy. So that, that's going to factor in, I think, to sort of the the the, uh, the criticism of the reaction is that you know on Twitter everybody was sort of like hailing this as like oh my god this is the biggest moment ever. Like, this is like <laughs> I don't know like about There were people like this is like like blessings to ed scrine for doing the red thing and he's like the best thing that's ever happened to you know media for asian americans <laughs> and um you know we sort of pushed back on that and said you know good for him yeah he did the right thing right but let's pump the brakes a little bit on on how great this is for us because mm-hmm. it's still a shitty it's still a shitty sort of representation of asians mm-hmm. right it's not the greatest character it's not the main guy. It's not the main character, and like, well, the main character is a is a Hellboy. demon, right? <laughs> but it could be anybody, right? It could just be another big Asian dude, but like I, with I, makeup. It could like, be Kevin. No one's gonna know. <laughs> but like, so we we pushed back just a little bit, uh-huh. and um, I, people did not like that at all. Uh, so you know, we're we're willing to be a little controversial, not just mm. to be controversial, but just to say, look, media rep is great, and it's great for Daniel Day Kim. Right. I mean, right. it's great for him. Like, I want him to get work. You know, we've we've spoken to Justin Chan, um, who's the director and star of the movie Gook. Everyone oh, should yeah. see that amazing movie. Um, so it's great for people who are in the industry. Mm-hmm. What I think the bigger issue and why we we criticize that reaction and the sort of the focus on media representation is that it's it's um, it's only one small part of of. Well, uh, of Asian American issues, yeah, and, and the folk and think, the Hollywood and, representation, right, and the Hollywood representation, and the politics of it, and the right, and the politics politics of it, it's the amount of attention it gets is outsized to its importance overall, mm. and I think, and I must, and I mentioned Justin because I feel that that's the direction we want to go, mm. is people doing their own thing, telling our unique stories through our you know, our lens, not doing it for anyone else other than to say this is a compelling, unique story. It just happens to come from 
an Asian person, but it's also sort of tinged with, you know, it's infused because of that with mm-hmm. an Asian perspective, just because you can't have anything other than that if you're, you know, Asian American and you're making it. Um, so, sort of that, that's sort of like the, the direction I would love for a lot of the focus to go in mm. is celebrating the Asian American uh, uh, creators rather than sort of really than getting sort of caught up in Hollywood deign to give us a part because we pressure them into giving us the part. Yeah. Um, so well, and you know, I think one of the cynical biggest... view, but uh, you know, that reaction, but I think that's, well, I think there's a positive side to it too. And yeah. maybe it didn't get as much play as the, uh, Ed Scrine thing, but I think one of the biggest Hollywood darlings this summer and surprise sleeper hit was, uh, the big sick with Camille Nanziani. Yeah. And that was a, an Asian American viewpoint or a pan Asian American viewpoint, right. From Pakistan. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, his his experience it was basically more or less autobiographical. Yeah, of uh, his experience in the United States. It's a fantastic film, and it's it's yeah. done very well. I think it, it is, and and it's it's one it's one person's view, and, and and it's also indicative of a lot of you know I think Pakistani American experiences. Yeah, and but people criticize that as well, you know. So like the criticism is not necessarily bad. It's mm-hmm. that you know. A film like that, like The Big Sick, got made so that people could criticize it because it was made. Yeah. Well, it was made made well, and I think they tackled a lot of those issues pretty head on. Absolutely. I mean, it all of even the conflict that comes out of it because people are like, well, it seemed like because I, 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 some some, some of my Indian American, Pakistani American friends were were like, well, it's, it, it seemed to be rejecting. The culture because it's like he's sort of very assimilate, assimilated. I'm yeah. like, well, okay, I get that, but it again, also shows his that's parents an internal well. struggle, but that's a discussion that needs to be had. Yeah, exactly. So that is so. I think it shows a couple different viewpoints, right? Because it, his brother, you know, now we're just doing a review of the Big Sick, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, his no, brother it, embraces a film, right? His so. brother embraces uh, the Muslim and the Pakistani culture right. integrated with America, but then like his parents are very old school, and it, I think it's a very yeah. true life immigrant story. It uh, is where you know the kid who's second generation, basically or one point five, needs to make a conscious decision yeah. about how they're going to live their life and what works yeah. for them. And so I, I thought it was a very honest representation, and it maybe it was you absolutely. Know, it, I don't absolutely. think it was meant to be representative no, of the entire no, no. Pakistani American or Muslim American experience. Absolutely, it's a no, very no. personal movie about yeah. him and his relationships and uh, the the country that he lives in. Yeah, that absolutely. And I think also, you know, you, you touch on a point of like it wasn't meant it it wasn't meant to be representational of everybody. Right. That's sort of the trap I think where these immigrant stories or anything that's sort of um, from a minority perspective, yeah. it's treated by everyone as like, oh, it needs to be represent. It represents your whole group. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I, there's a know, conflict, and, and that's not true with film and with media in general when it comes to minority voices. Where, regardless of whether you intended it to be a personal story, yes. it will be viewed by somebody as representative of the entire community. Because right. you know, people with their whataboutism will be like, yeah. well, look at this guy. He had that thing happen to him, and that's got to right. be the experience for everybody. And it's like, well, right, right. You must represent it in your one film of that's like an hour yeah, and a half. Yeah, and you're like, that's yeah, not yeah. how it all all is. You know, I, I still have, even though I own Lion now, I still have yet to watch it. But I doubt yeah. it's going to exhibit everything that I've experienced as as an adoptee. <laughs> no, of course not. And it's one person's journey. Exactly. And maybe, you know, maybe it's been, it's a little more 
Pollyanna than other people might like. Uh-huh. But you know, it's one person's story. You know, uh, and that was his experience. And you know yeah, what? Absolutely. Regardless of what I think of it, or his parents, or the movie, or the book, or whatever. You know, that experience. is his, that's his yeah. story and his experience. And there's nothing that I could do to take away from that. Just the no, same way as he could do to me. <laughs> right. And, you know, and it, it harkens back. My, um, my friends always mention, you know, talking about how like, you know, people, the whataboutism or inadvertently, no matter what, when you're a, a person of color, uh, you know, making a movie or, or anything, people will treat it like you're representing everybody. Right. Um, is that famous famous moment where Roger Ebert sort of smacks down this other critic who's like, uh, uh, when they're talking about uh, Justin Lin's Better Luck Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the one critic is like, well, why why did you choose to um, like represent or make a movie about these criminals? Wouldn't you want to you know represent your people in a better light? Right. And Roger <laughs> Ebert got up and he's like, he made a story that he wanted to make. And it was about his experience. He's uh-huh. not representing everybody, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah. You know, basically just smacking. Pe- the, but that that attitude or that that knee jerk reaction, you know, uh, hasn't been eradicated. It's still around. Yeah. Um. So you know, at you know, are any of these criticisms? You got you you got to take it take it with a grain of salt. Uh, uh. But you know, there there are different ways of interpreting things. So that was that was one of our um articles. He also wrote an article about um, Apple. So we don't only like write things about like just Asian American issues. Mm-hmm. You know, we we talk about thing you know broader uh, cultural or word, world issues as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my friend wrote an article about the iPhone 10 and, and just sort of okay. Apple culture. Yeah, uh, Apple culture. Yeah, yeah. So he got like I don't know. It's probably on like twelve thousand views and you know probably like. You know, probably ten thousand reads at this point. Like it's hot, he got hot a, news these got days. A pretty good <laughs> reaction to it. Yeah. <laughs> what so, was uh, it? Pro or anti iPhone ten? I mean, it's it's not even really about the phone itself. Uh-huh. He 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 does. Is it like Apple of, as a culture? Yeah, yeah. It it's trying to tie Apple as a company and the and and their sort of culture and the way they wanted to push that out into the, the uh-huh. to everybody else. And he relates that he relates it to American the idea of American exceptionalism and a broader sort of American myth, uh, and uh, you know it's it's not a positive viewing, um, but I wouldn't say he's like I'm anti Apple everything. It's sort of just you know it, it's relating it to that and saying maybe there's room for some criticism maybe, but this is just his interpretation of it and. Mm-hmm. Some people who, who, you know, obviously the Apple <laughs> fanboys come out and they just get really, really upset. <laughs> they get upset when anyone is saying like anything. Well, because he just lobbed negative. a grenade in a, in a holy war yeah. is what he did. Well, ab- absolutely. And he knew that, of course. Um, but, you know, and then other people will come and be like, yeah, they'll, they'll say there's something something to that. But, uh, you know, we're, we're in, you know, we're, we, we just published or started publishing stuff maybe a week uh, not a week a, a month or so ago mm-hmm. um it there was also a story one of our um uh editors he lives in houston so he was there for you know oh, the flood hurricane and everything yeah. um so he wrote a, a whole piece on that um you know we have a whole range of of people we have you know people who are my age maybe a little older we have college age students uh so you know, we have a we have men, women. It's not just angry Asian dudes. Um, There's already a site for that. 
There, there is. <laughs> uh, he, he's not really that angry, angry Asian man. Yeah, he's not. He's not as angry. Uh, I think as he used to be. <laughs> no, no. He's but he, you know, he was a trailblazer. You know, I think a lot of people criticize him now for being sort of like the the, the political landscape has passed him by. But he was a trailblazer, so I'll always give him props for that. Um, Phil, his name's Phil, right? Phil, you, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so like we're 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 hoping to you know we we do a podcast attached to that where we. We talk through a lot of these things. It's not just me. <laughs> um, you know, we do. Uh, we, we try to um, get into media as well. So, like, we do a, a playlist, Spotify playlist every week, oh, every nice. Friday. Um, so, you know, we, we try to highlight, uh, you know, up and coming uh, hip hop artists from you know, like Korea, China, oh, cool. uh, other countries as well, yeah. um, Filipino. Um, we just had an article, this great article. Everyone should read this. It's fascinating uh, by uh, Guru Joey. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. But he he's a he's a like a he he um he trained with Dan Inosanto, who was a training partner of Bruce Lee, and it's about the warrior tradition of the Philippines and how mm. that they naturally gravitated to hip hop in the '90s. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so it's called The Warrior Blood That Bound Filipinos, the 90s hip-hop. Um, it's by Guru Joe Marana. Um, his videos are actually on YouTube as well. But, like, he's he is legit. I mean, he's, he trains with Dan Inosanto, who trained with Bruce Lee. So, like, this guy knows what he talks about. And um, it's, an, it's a fascinating article. Nice. Sounds like a more real, like... Uh... A more physical and manifested version of Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's about it, you know he talks a little bit about Philippines, how sort of they to um, I think the modern like boxing and basketball sports culture. And that's how they like American troops sort of integrated in the twenties and thirties because mm. the Filipino history is full. It's a warrior culture. Yeah. Right. And they have huge martial arts legacy. Mm-hmm. And you know when they were colonized, I think I forget which which European nation colonized them. I believe it was Spain. Uh, oh God. Yeah, Spain. The only colony they had in the Asia. Um, they sort of suppressed all of it. But sort of, but sort of like Brazil with capoeira, mm-hmm. uh, the Filipinos um, disguised it in dance. And when they came to America and or they were exposed to, you know, hip hop culture from the 80s and 90s, um, it really just blends. And, and Joe, read the article. Joe does a lot better <laughs> explaining it than I do because he's Filipino and he <laughs> he lived it. Uh, so I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but it is it's it's fascinating. Well, that sounds awesome. And you can find that at planamag.com. Exactly. And then Planet. are you guys on uh, Twitter and uh, We're on Twitter. Things, Follow Facebook. us at Planet at Planet at Planet Mag, Planet Mag on, on Facebook. Um, you know, we, we try to put content up every couple of days. Um, we also do these funny report cards where we just take down celebrities and people like that. Give them letter <laughs> grades and just nice. it's hilarious. We just did Taylor Swift. Oh, so she, we we are not nice to her. So I don't think anybody was nice to her yeah. this go around. But you know yeah. what? I'll give her a chance because I love T Swizzle. Uh, <laughs> and can people find you online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at sn batman. <laughs> uh, 
Batman was my fraternity name. I'm a not only am I a, a, a corporate elite East Coast liberal, <laughs> but you're uh, also not a frat really boy. liberal anymore. Progressive now, but uh, <laughs> I'm a frat boy. So, oh boy. All right. Well, I want to <laughs> thank you for coming on the show, taking the time, sharing a little bit about your story, and uh, yeah, starting up Plan you. A. That's awesome. People can yeah, check absolutely. out your podcast uh, and and check you out online. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. See ya. Yep. Okay, and that was my interview with Adam Goodman. I want to thank Adam for taking the time to come on the show and sharing his story and uh, starting up Plan A. That sounds awesome, man. Congratulations. That's great. Uh, go check out his podcast as well. You could talk about, you could hear, you could talk about, you could hear and talk about that podcast as well as my podcast. And I appreciate that, uh, that you know, he's doing that thing and, and taking the time to talk about the issues. The minority voice of the Asian American male, right? We're not a monolith. We're not all the same. Everybody has a different story, and that's the point of this show. Everybody has their own story to share, okay? Asian Americans aren't all the same. Asians aren't all the same. Adoptees aren't all the same. Men aren't the same. Women aren't all the same. Uh, LGBTQ aren't all the same. Everybody's got their unique stories and experiences to share, so I'm very happy to, uh, to help people do that. Thanks, thank you, Adam, for coming on and doing the same thing and helping me out with my show. Anytime you want me to share my very vanilla opinion or, or whatever on, on your show. I'll, I'll be happy to do that as well. Check out Plan A at planamag.com. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter at Plan A Mag. Uh, and they're on Medium. You can Google them. They're on Facebook. Same thing with Adam. Uh, check all that out, okay? That's great. And uh, thank you to other Adam for sending me that very nice uh, email on Facebook or, or inbox message. I don't know what Facebook calls it these days. I'm not really on Facebook these days except to do this show and to promote it for you guys, the people. That was a Bane impression. Anyways, uh, if you would like to send me an email, you can do that at therambleradhd at gmail.com if you're interested in coming on the show or just sending a letter of support. I always appreciate those. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash therambleradhd or you can tweet me at therambleradhd. That's probably the easiest one. I get the most notifications from Twitter and, uh, you know, it's good to... It's good to. That's the easiest one to interact with me on, I guess, is the Twitter sphere, and that's the Rambler ADHD. Did I say that? I said that. I said that. But you can always check it out there. Uh, and again, get in contact with me if you would like to come on the show. I would appreciate it. You would appreciate it. And you know, it's not as scary as you think. I bet. I, I think I'm a pretty easy to talk to guy. I've heard that from people. I don't know. Anyways, uh, music today provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records, as well as a collective effort. You can find them on SoundCloud as long as SoundCloud exists. And that's about it, I guess. That's the whole, that's the whole shebang. Uh, go check out Gook, uh, the movie. I'm going to go do that. Gifted, that's another one. I'm going to go watch Mother today. That one looks insane. Insanity. I don't know. I saw it, and that wasn't... I didn't think it was very scary, but I enjoyed it. I think it was a high-quality movie. Much better than the original miniseries. And that's my review of it for this week. Uh, go check that out if you have If you like Stranger Things, I think you'll probably enjoy it. It's a, it's a great movie. Um, really, really, uh, it's a good retrospective on the 80s. I don't know, I don't know. I like the 80s, I guess. You know, they were there. <laughs> it was a simpler time, the 80s. Was it? I don't know. I think people like to say that, but I don't know if it's necessarily true or not. Anyways, I will catch you guys next month. If you're around the New York Tri-City, Tri-State area, then, uh, what is happening in my head? I don't know. Again, then come out to the AK events. Like Adam said, I'll be uh, probably at that 
fall kickoff happy hour, and you can meet me there. And we can talk about you coming on the show, possibly, or whatever. If not, I can always do it via Skype or FaceTime, like I said. Uh, and again, check out uh, KoreanAmericanStory.org for the teaser trailer to that video. I'm looking very much to uh, the full videos. And uh, yeah, keep your eyes and ears open, people. Don't hide under your desk. It's not healthy. Uh, the life, life will go on. I promise. It's like Jurassic Park. Life will uh, find a way. And that was a terrible, terrible impression. But you get the point. You get the point. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace out.